How's it guys? My name is Mark Hastick and you're listening to the Birding Life Youth Podcast. So, what is a local patch? This is usually a place that a birder goes to when they're at home, when they don't have the opportunity to go to nature reserves or big fancy but wilderness places to go look for animals. In this case, birds. And it may be a public place, like a, a park in town, but even though other people go there, it is a place that you try to learn like the back of your hand because you spend lots of time there and you get to know the species that occur there, the landscape, and you become proud. You become proud of calling it your local patch. And I'm happy to say that my local patch is the Otanico Mountains here in the Garden Route. Since last season's local patch episode, a bit more has happened over the garden route in general compared to that of last time where it was mainly focused on camping on the mountain, barefoot bio bashing and adventures like that. So here are a couple of adventures that have happened over the last while. Firstly, um, was a trip to the Clan Karoo, to the river farm, where my good friend Barkley Lum stays and it was a specific trip focused on herping. But it was too difficult not to go birding because at this spot is the only confirmed breeding colony of white-fronted bee-eaters in the Western Cape. And I've had the opportunity to be there at least four times now, but this time was different. Besides targeting a few reptilian and amphibian species, we also made the effort to jump on his kayak and go canoeing on the river that's close to his house at night. And we actually only came back at one o'clock in the morning after jumping on the boat at sunset. So bear in mind that this is the Klenkuru, a semi-arid climate and habitat. But here we had this awesome river flowing through um, the property. And it was such an awesome opportunity because on the boat, we were looking for snakes and stuff. We found wormslung shed in the tree. We found a couple of um, amphibians and got some clicking stream frogs and Cape River frogs. Um, cacos and stuff and then we also managed to see sleeping birds in the reeds uh, we heard a bittern and we followed its sound for about an hour trying to find it in the reeds up and down the river and it was like it was echoing across the rocks because we couldn't find it. and eventually we had this up close view of us sitting on the kayak and the bittern was right next to us in our face in the reeds um, so that spent us a lot of time, but we also found the white-fronted bee-eaters held up sleeping together in the reeds. So that was a great sighting. Among other species of birds we found, that was probably the highlight. But other cool species that you must look out for at the river farm is spotted flycatcher, which I have seen uh, every time I've gone there now, especially in summer. So after staying the night at the river farm in their cottage that they rent out, which is so rustic and beautiful, uh, and it's it was it's, it's an ancient schoolhouse that used to be for the previous settlers in the Clan Karoo. We made our way back to George and then went straight through to Plettenberg Bay to stay at some accommodation called Tiny Homes. This is when I got the opportunity to twitch the Eurasian oyster catcher that is actually still currently in Plettenberg Bay. It's probably stayed here for about six months now. It's a very odd case that this Eurasian species has decided to stay in South Africa um, and is one of only probably two individuals in the sub-region at the moment. Um, and now going into winter, 
he's a very brave bird to be on this side of the Earth's hemisphere. During last month, I also managed to do some atlasing in the wilderness pentad. I joined Peter Ginn uh, to atlas the wilderness um, national park area. We took a visit visit to the big tree where there's great forest birding. Um, and I continued after that day to complete the five-day atlasing and managed to get species like half-coated kingfisher, lesser-striped swallow um, in that area. Um, so that was great. Atlasing is a really good way to up your birding and add something else to your birding, like a little bit of salt, you know. So personally, I think it's an activity that youth birders should be taking more part in. And on that note, visiting the big tree, it's such an awesome experience going to this indigenous forest patch and witnessing this 800-year-old tree. And this is an example of places that you get to go because of birding. And even specifically, atlasing on bird lasser. <clears throat> because to go atlasing, you need to get to all four corners of the pentad, which is an area on a map. And you need to try cover as many habitats as possible, which means that you need to go to specific places in that area, which might have hidden gems. And for example, the hidden tree, I mean, <laughs> the big tree is a hidden gem that some people don't know about. It's mainly a tourist attraction, but it never gets old for me. Um, this 800 year old tree that stands over 30 meters tall, uh, I can't remember if it's 40, um, but it's one of the biggest trees in South Africa. So atlasing pushes you to take that extra step in birding to go find cool places to get birds on your list. But at the same time, you always end up stumbling across lacquer places that are not necessarily to do with birding in particular. And then a friend of mine from Noordwest province in South Africa, Yuri Blichnot, came down to the garden route for a holiday with his family, who also happened to be birders. And he stayed in Mossel Bay for a while. And while he was here, we managed to do some atlasing in Mossel Bay, touching on the estuaries there, getting the last of the migrant waders that are around. Um, and during his stay, just after we went birding for the first time together, he found a rarity, his first rarity in actual fact, and that ended up being a red-necked phalarope in Fleas Bay, probably the first record for the species in the garden route. Can you imagine how jealous this would have made me? This dude from the other side of the country decides to come on holiday to my home turf and find a rarity. <laughs> I was very jealous. But anyways, soon after that, two young guys from Cape Town, Ruven and Yavan Schumann, decide to take a visit to the garden route as well. And their opa just so happens to be Peter Schumann, who took me on the boat to find the Eurasian oyster catch a couple of weeks before. So, a youth get-together was organized and we went birding in Plettenberg Bay. So with three non-local birders coming to the area, Justin Ponder and myself got together with the gang and us five boys all met up at Wim Peter's house. The plan was to try find the Eurasian oyster catch obviously as our target species, but we had a bit of time to kill before low tide came to the Kierbwim's estuary, otherwise the Eurasian oyster catcher wouldn't be out in the open and feeding. So we did some birding in the Greater Plet area and we got nice species of raptors, we got European roller, some uh, fragments left over of the migrants that were still around. We tried for the a very interesting 
species of um, cysticulars, the wing snapping and lazy cysticulars that um, are like just on the margin of the Western Cape here uh, in Plettenberg Bay. Um, they, it's, it's the only place in the Western Cape that they're actually found. We dipped on those, but we did get some lifers for Yuri along the way. Um, and then we went on to the boat a bit later to get the European oyster catcher. Got some migrant waders, some going to breeding plumage already, getting ready to shoot off over the African continent back to their breeding grounds. Um, and then we saw a, a blacksmith lapwing. And close by was something else that was pied, but it had a long red bull. Bingo, that was our Eurasian oyster catcher, a lifer for Yuri, the second time I had managed to see it. And obviously a great sighting for the other guys on the boat as well. It was an epic experience, experiencing this with other youth birders, us feeling like, just like connected bros, you know, communities come together and it was a lacquer day birding with some young mates. In the beginning of April, I got the opportunity to go see Yuri's um, fellow rope again. Lakes Bird Club organized a club outing to the Fleerspy area which is an area that's been producing lacquer birds in the last year. We had the Laughing Gull pitch up in Mossel Bay, which is down the road. We had African Crakes there recently, Balin's Crake. And in 2020, Justin and myself found two buff-breasted sandpipers there, which is an American species that gets reported in South Africa every now and then. Um, so it's got great memories for me, great birding hotspot that is actually quite underrated in my opinion. Other things that we did see on the Lakes Bird Club outing there was black harrier, plenty feinbore species of birds. And because we're on the margin of the Agullis Plains, we also got to see, 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 <laughs> I'm making the, the larks call already, um, the Agullis long-billed lark. That's a bit better, although I'm actually pretty terrible at this. There you go, there's a Xenocanto, much more true to the real thing, recording of the <laughs> lock. Now, if you've ever heard of Jeffrey's Bay, J-Bay, you would probably relate it to surfing and beach life. You're quite right. It has terrible reputation for birding from my side, really. It's quite kaput. Although not entirely true, I did find a nice urban field just on the outskirts of town where I managed to do a bit of bio-bashing. I uh, went there about three times over the last two months and managed to do a bit of exploring along the way. So the birding in town is quite kaput, but this little patch I managed to find some larks and pipits and cysticulars, um, but it kind of drew my attention away from the birds because I had to look for something else interesting and my inner bio basher came out. There was awesome fainbos plants growing there, garlic, uh, wild garlic, it's pretty cool by the way, um, and some orchids out of season, not flowering. But now every single time I've gone there, I've seen these two daikerbok, little buck that's always run away from me as soon as I see them. They hop over the bushes. So interesting to watch their behavior. It's like I'm applying my bird watching bird brain to mammals now. Um, and also I managed to find some herps there, a giant centipede of some species. And um, the mammals there were quite, quite active. I found many porcupine quills 
and holes that they had dug out to try eat the 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 bulbs so the the the, the bird life around jeffrey's bay town itself is not that great but i did take a visit to saint francis bay where i got a life a little turn it's a great spot to get the species because at the saint francis bay estuary there is um there's a nice sandbank for marine birds and pelagic species to come and roost on for some part of the day. Um, walking around town, I also managed to find some lovebirds, hybrid species that have developed a big population in the village of St. Francis. And it was quite disturbing, quite a quite a headache to walk through town um, and listen to these birds screeching and screaming around because there's such a disturbance to the ecosystem. And even though it's town, you know, it's an urban area with a little settlement, um, the indigenous birds are really taking a strain because I could see they were chasing other species of birds around and they make such a noise. But I won't go in too deep into this because I already covered this with an episode I did with Keanu Kanto on our All About Aliens Chit Chat Talk a few episodes back. And there wasn't much else about Jeffrey's Bay that really stood out except for the one restaurant in town, Nina's Cafe. It's, it's themed birds, they've got bird paintings all around, photos of blue swallows in the bathroom, and they've got printed photos of wildlife photographers that they're selling there. So to be honest, that's the only other birding hotspot in the area that you, mo- you won't want to miss. <laughs> and during all of this, Life Adventures Outdoor Club has been doing walks into the Otanuku Mountain, and the main aim of this club is to show people nature at their doorstep, because the garden route has got so many natural areas that is, is public for people to go into and it has some of the best trail running trails and mountain biking trails in the world. Um, yet it's only those people who are interested in those outdoor activities that necessarily go there. Um, very few people go out and walk their dogs or go birding in this piece of natural land that is free to the public. So because it's my local patch, um, these walks are aimed at showing people secret spots in the mountain like waterfalls rivers or picnic spots in the forest or in the feinbos and along the way guiding them to the fauna and the flora we stumble across um, just to give them a bit of interest and so this is practice for me um, for my field guiding career that i want to follow after school Um, and although i'm not a qualified guide and i don't charge i do accept tips so the point being, no one's obliged to have to pay anything. It's a free club for anyone to come and join along on any eight stuppies I take into the mountain. And the last few eight stuppies I've taken out have mainly been less about the destination we go to, but more focused on the nature we find along the way. This is because the Garden Route Dam is currently under threat of development. And I don't want this big development to happen in this natural area because the felt around the dam comprises of habitat for the endangered Nyza leaf-folding frog and certain species of gladiolus that are endangered. And so with each outing we did to the Gardner Dam, I encouraged everyone to take photos of all the organisms they could find. Because there's this app called iNaturalist that you can take a photo of any organism, whether it be a plant or animal, and upload it to the app or the website, um, and it'll tell you exactly what it is. It's pretty much linked to Wikipedia, also sponsored by National Geographic on the the California Academy of Sciences. So it's pretty legit. And if you go on there, you can join certain projects. Now the Garden Root Dam has got a project for all the people who want to save it, where it collects like an umbrella, an umbrella project they call it, 
um, all the data that's collected at that location. So currently the Garden Root Dam area um, project on iNaturalist is collecting as many observations of all organisms as possible to try showcase how biodiverse that spot actually is and then it's not worth bulldozing for a development. And then at the end of last month came the City Nature Challenge, something I've talked about on previous episodes, but to give you an overview, um, it's a worldwide nature observation challenge to see which city around the world is the most biodiverse. And for the last two or three years, Cape Town has come first, and Garden Route took part this year. Um, and so because I had started introducing people to our naturalist anyways to save the Garden Route Dam, we took part in the City Nature Challenge as Life Adventures Club as well. So the first eight stuppy I hosted was um, a combination, a collaboration with the Garden Route Botanical Garden. Uh, they hosted a nightlife event where anyone could come and pay a, a small fee to enter the garden between six and nine o'clock at night, walk around until flashlights. And I was one of the guides there. So, so what we did is we brought our phones and our flashlights and we walked around looking for frogs. We found clicking stream frogs, we heard an owl or two, and also a species of stink bug that was recently discovered in the botanical gardens as a new species. So some exciting stuff added to the City Nature Challenge. Species were tallying up. And in the last day of the City Nature Challenge, Life Adventures did an eight stuppy on the Craddock Pass on the Otanuku Mountains, covering some fainbos habitat. Here we got stuff like scorpions, special fainbos species, like Erica unicolor georgensis, a species of Erica that is only found on the George Mountain, nowhere else in the world. And that was pretty much the City Nature Challenge. So the Garden Route gave it our best bash. We don't have nearly as, as many people as Cape Town does, but um, we, yeah, we, we had a lot of enthusiasm, but we got smashed. We came 22nd in the world um, and got left in the dust of Cape Town, who came third in the world this year, surprisingly. Um, Cape Town got 66,100 plus observations. The Garden Route got 16,100 plus observations. I post most of my photos from my adventures of birds, bugs and bushes onto this social media for naturalists. So go follow me on iNaturalist and create yourself an account. But you can also follow Life Adventures Outdoor Club on social media, normal normal social media apps um, for normal people, not naturalists. Um, but yeah, guys, um, don't forget to subscribe to The Birding Life on all your social media platforms and favorite podcast players. Until next time, happy birding and be blessed. <laughs>